0: So, um, we're going to talk about in pursuit of perfection. Wouldn't that frustrate you? In pursuit of perfection. I believe in pursuit of perfection is in pursuit of maturity. And I'll tell you what I mean by that. It is wisdom that leads us to maturity. So, I want you to take your Bible and turn to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, there's a familiar verse that you know, seen many times, so we're just going to look at one verse and then another verse. I want to talk about that wisdom that comes down from above. Here in Romans in chapter 12, you'll notice there in verse 2, And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. When we talk about the gospel, it says, For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works. It says what it is and what it is not. We talk about serving the Lord. We should know what it is and what it is not. Serving the Lord is not being conformed to the world. Serving the Lord is being transformed by the renewing of your mind. So growing in the Lord, maturing in the Lord is renewing of your mind, learning how to think. So he makes a statement here that you may prove what is that good and acceptable. And there's that one little word, perfect will of God. The perfect will of God comes from the perfect word of God. So we have something that came from God who is perfect, brought us something into this world that is perfect. Did you know that the gospel message must be perfect? If it's going to make us good enough to go to heaven, And how good do we have to be to go to heaven? Perfect. So then the gospel must make us perfect. So the gospel has to be perfect. It has to be able to do that which God requires it to do. So when you and I, when we give the gospel, we're supposed to give it in the purity of perfection as pure as you possibly can, as we received it from God. You understand what I'm saying? We should give it in the purity of which we received it. So when you start adding any man's work to the gospel, it contaminates the gospel. It diminishes its power. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. So therefore, a man must know what he has to do, what he has to believe. When it comes to the Christian life, we should live as it becometh the gospel of Christ, or as I should say, we should live according to the power we've received. Now, the power that we received was from God Himself. He gave to each and every one of us the Holy Spirit. Now, is the Holy Spirit perfect? Then the Holy Spirit has given to us perfect power. If he's given to us perfect power, then we have within us the power to live the way we should. Growing in maturity is learning how to live closer to the power that we have received. In as purity as possible. If this is true, our work is never done, is it? Now we could really do a great job if we didn't have this old body to drag around with this old sinful nature that causes everything that we say and do to be impure. So we have from God a perfect message, a perfect gospel from a perfect God. And he says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed." And that is by the renewing of your mind so that you and I can understand what is the perfect will of God. So it's mentioned in the word and we should understand that. Now take your Bible and turn there to the book of 1 Timothy in chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4. There is a, um, a little verse that is um, easily overlooked. Many may not think it's that important, but I believe it is. The Bible says that when Christ came back from the dead, That before He ascended, what is that that He first descended into the hearts of the earth and led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Then refers to those gifts as apostles, prophets, teachers. So He gave something to the church. These men had gifts given to them. And these gifts that men received from God was a perfect gift. There's nothing wrong with the gift that God gave. It's that we're trying to live out this perfect gift through an inadequate body, with an inadequate mind. We don't think clearly. We have to go through this lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. We have to fight all these battles trying to deliver a perfect message. So there is a gift we get from God. There's nothing wrong with the gift. And if you look there in 1 Timothy chapter 4, note what it says in verse 14. "Neglect." Now Paul is talking to young Timothy. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery, or the elder. I don't believe he's just talking about, you know, you received the gift of eternal life. I think he's talking about the ministry that you have received. This ministry that you and I have received is a gift from God. The opportunity for you and I to live this side of the grave and have an opportunity to serve the Lord. What a gift. Receiving the gift is one thing. Living the gift is another. So God's Word says that He has given to each and every one of us this. Now look there in your Bible to the book of Ephesians in chapter 4. The book of Ephesians chapter 4. one of my older Bibles that I had to stop using because the pages are so fragile. But in Ephesians in chapter 4, I want you to look there in verse 7. Verse 7 says, But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the, what? Gift of Christ. Uh, Every one of us have received the gift of the Holy Spirit. We've all received the gift of eternal life. But I believe this is the grace that we need to live and fulfill the ministry that God has given to us. So every one of us have received a gift from the Lord. There's nothing wrong with that gift. That gift is a perfect gift. All good and perfect gifts comes down from the Father above. And He's given it to us. So we have something. And in verse 11 says, And He gave some apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. These are positions of service. You'll notice that there is no position of service given here to an evangelist as though it was a gift, like you received the gift of evangelism. Uh, Evangelism is a position also. But all of those who held these positions were to do the work of an evangelist. It means that all of us, regardless of what our ministry may be, Whatever that gift is that God gave to us to fulfill is also to do the work of the ministry in the sense of winning souls to Christ and training them, teaching them. So it's a very important thing. Now look there in verse 8. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. So these are things that he has given. I believe it's a ministry that God has given to us. Now look in 1 Peter chapter 4, 1 Peter and chapter 4, 1 Peter chapter 4 and look in verse 10 and notice what he says here, as every man hath received the gift, I believe the ministry, the ability to do the ministry God has given to us, grace to do the work God has given us to do. This is why Paul says that his grace was not bestowed upon me in vain. God gave him a work to do and the power to do it. So two perfect things. There was nothing wrong with the ministry that was given. There was nothing wrong with the power that was given. You and I growing in the Lord is learning how to get and receive this wisdom from God so that we will not conform to the world, but be transformed." A Christian whose life is not being transformed is not growing in the Lord. If you're growing in the Lord, your life is slowly, little by little, being transformed. Not the way the world wants it, but the way God wants it. So here in 1 Peter in chapter 4, in verse 10, And so as every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So God, by grace, has given to you and I this opportunity to live on this planet after we trusted Christ as our Savior and do some wonderful things for Him. So God has given to us a ministry, and there's nothing wrong with the ministry, whatever it is He wants us to do. It was a gift given to us from above. And He gave to us the Holy Spirit, which is the power to do and to fulfill that which He wants us to do. So if this is true, and I believe that it is, then there's things that God wants us to accomplish. So go back now to the book of James. Go back to the book of James. In James chapter 1, you'll notice there are several things that are mentioned here. And I want to try to give you this pursuit of perfection. In other words, because of these things God has given to us that are nothing wrong with it. You and I are to pursue to complete the ministry that God has given. As Paul says, this ministry that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry that I have received of the Lord. He's no different than we are. Don't worry about what somebody else gets to do. Just think about the one God gave to you. Are you doing what God wants you to do? So you'll notice there in James in chapter 1. I want you to look there in verse 16. Do not err, my beloved brethren. So we know we're talking to the believers. Already talking to believers. These believers already have received the gift of eternal life. So he says in verse 17, every good gift... Every good gift. And that is where God has given to you and me a gift. Now, the purpose of the gift from God is to be used for God in giving this gift. So you have received that you might give. So we are supposed to live out what we have received. And this is why you'll find there's scripture talking about hold fast to eternal life. In other words, live now like you have eternal life and you're already in heaven. Live as though you didn't have an old sinful nature that craves the things of this world. So that you can focus upon what God wants you to do. And then he says, every perfect gift is from above. Then he takes this whole book of James and tells us why you and I ought to be Joyful, thankful, thrilled to death. Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, all the problems of life, the trials and tribulations, because that is what reveals to you and I we need wisdom. So when he talks about this perfect gift from above, I believe he's talking about this perfect wisdom from above. Now, where do we get this perfect wisdom from above? right here in the Bible. The Bible is the perfect law of liberty. This perfect gift that God has given to us. Within this book is the wisdom of God. So this book contains the information that you and I need to live our lives. So he says, every good and perfect gift is from above. Now the reason I refer to this as being wisdom is for this reason. If you'll notice there in the book of James in chapter 3, look in James chapter 3, and look at verse 17 where it says, but the wisdom that is from above, the wisdom that is from above. The other verse says, the gift that is from above. You see, When we're talking about how do we face life, how do we keep from being conformed to this world, is only by the wisdom of God. So you and I are supposed to get the wisdom that we need from God. How how do we know we need any wisdom? In verse 2 of chapter 1, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptation, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, Let patience have her perfect work that you may be perfect and entire, complete. In other words, the Word of God wants to perform a perfect work in us. But when you're talking about performing this work through us, it has to work through these old earthen vessels. So nothing that we do comes out as pure as when it came in. That would be great if it did. But you and I in giving the gospel, the pure, that it comes to us and from us, it has power in people's lives. And people can understand it and trust Christ as Savior. You add one work to it and you have mutilated all of it. It, And they can't understand it. And they can't understand the Christian life. But when you take how to live the Christian life and keep from getting conformed to the world, but being transformed by the Word of God... Well, then you need the wisdom that is from above. And this wisdom, God says, He will not charge you for it. He says He's not going to mock you or make fun of you, chide you. But He says, He will give it to you liberally, like, I'll give you more than you need. There's a Heavenly Father that each one of us has that wants to bless us more than we want to be blessed. Somebody who wants to use you more than your desire to be used. I used to think God... Don't you care about lost people like I do? If I was you, I'd use me better. And I thought, God needs a lot of training in my life. He's working on me. And there may be things in your life that are not as right as you think they are. And so God is going to have to, at times, humble us in order to Get us to change or correct something that keeps the message from being pure. Is your Christian life that you live, is it pure? And you know there's a verse even in the Bible that says, keep thyself pure. Keep thyself pure. We are called to live a holy life because He is holy. Therefore be ye holy in all manner of conversation or manner of life. So God requires it. God wants it. So we always have something that we can strive for in our walk toward maturity. Maturing in the Lord is not that you don't fall. It's that you get up quicker. You respond faster. You don't lay there and sulk. You get up and keep walking with God. So every person needs to mature in the Lord. So this is what he's talking about here. Now, I want you to take your Bible, look in 2 Timothy chapter 1. Hold your place in James, but 2 Timothy in chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Look down there in verse 6. In verse 6. He makes a statement, Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. Here he's referring to that again. There's times when you may give it all you got and you get so encouraged in the Lord. And you can see fruit and see growth and you're excited and people are loving and appreciated and and you're worshipped almost. And and then it seems like sometimes you're going through a dry spell. Nothing works. Nothing but problems. Like you're not being blessed. Like you're in the wilderness on the backside of a desert. You and Moses all alone. And there'll be times when it seems like it's just total despair. And you'll wonder whether or not can God ever use me. Paul says, young Timothy, stir up the gift that is in you. In other words, stay kindled. Stay on fire. Don't never stop. Always stay at it. You know what was interesting this morning? And it was a blessing me because I, I didn't know the person. This older gentleman that came this morning. I met him in the, hall, in the aisle here in the meet and greet, you know. And he says, I am Jeanette's father. Did anybody else meet him? He was a tall fella. He has to be in his 90s, wouldn't he? might be her stepdad, but, but her brother is right here, too. But then his dad, her dad. And I had never met him before, but he was over there, and he was getting something to eat in the fellowship hall, and he, he walked up to me, and he says, I, I really enjoyed it today. And I says, uh, said a few things to him. He says, I said, we had a bunch of people trust the Lord. He says, just like Hank. Just like Hank. You know, that's just like... Firing up a little bit more, like saying, sick to a bulldog. And you want to do even more. One of the things that we have with kids at camp, we talk to those kids and we want to fire them up to serve the Lord. Get them to dedicate their lives to the Lord. And yes, every year those kids come to camp, many of them will dedicate their lives to the Lord again. They go home, two weeks they've done fizzled out, come back to camp, rededicate their lives. And after about four or five times, sometimes it takes. Some of them, their dedicator has died. And so they need a new dedicator. But isn't it true that sometimes in your own Christian life, as years have passed by, you begin to look and to think, I've never done what I promised God I would. I've never been faithful like I told God I would. I need to rededicate my life to the Lord. There's nothing wrong in doing that. To stir it up all over again. To get excited about it all over again. I used to dream when I would read The Sword of the Lord and I'd read books about missionaries and those that have had great revivals over the years, you know. And I think, Lord, I'd love to see that. I don't want to just see it. I want to be involved in it. I want to help there be a revival in this country. I would love the people that would. Just get on fire for the clarity of the gospel. It's not that we need more preachers. It, we just need some with a clear message. If we took all the preachers that now know the Lord, and that they would just clean up their gospel, and deliver it in its purity, we could shake the world. But alas, so many don't. And it breaks your heart. So take your Bible and turn there to the book of James in chapter 1. James chapter 1 You'll notice in just this one little chapter, it talks about being mature. And you need this wisdom from above to do this. And when you understand the purpose of problems and what it does to you, it causes you to search. Not to throw up your hands and quit and be in despair and say it's not worth it. It is worth it. It's always worth it to serve the Lord. But then to remind us, that look, this good and perfect gift comes down from the Father above. I have a high calling, a holy calling, a ministry that God gave to me. And every child of God ought to look at it. God has given to me a holy calling, a high calling. And I strive for that mark, for the prize of this holy calling that God's given to me. And I want to finish my race. I want to finish my course. I want to accomplish what God wants me to. I want to complete whatever it is God wants me to complete. And right now, I know that if I don't know a certain thing, I know God wants me to grow in my faith. He wants me to become stronger and stronger. And so, therefore, I keep getting all these things that happens, because there's things I need to learn. And then down here in verse 25, look what he says about this. He says in verse 25, But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty... This is the Word of God. This is this perfect gift that came down from God above that is the cure for our ignorance, the cure for our carnality, the cure for our worldliness, the cure for being conformed to the world. This is what we need. So he says, don't be like those who hear the Word only, but they're not doers. So this is talking about, how can I mature in the Lord? It means grow in the Lord. Can I do the ministry God's given me to do? Whatever it might be. So he says here in verse 25, But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed indeed. So there is the perfect law of liberty. Learning what the Word of God has to say. There is the perfect God of patience. Patience. Because, see, it teaches us to wait upon the Lord. That Some things you can't make happen, but you trust the Lord, and you learn how to wait upon the Lord. And things will happen in your life, and you can't stop it. You you can't change it. you just got to accept some things. And God will do that to us. So, chapter 2, I just wanted you to see this. Look in verse 22. Because even sometimes we talk about James, it's always, you know, James chapter 2, James chapter 2. We know there's a lot more in James than James chapter 2 and verse 24. There's a lot of information that helps the Christian to grow in the Lord. So he says here in verse 22, Seest thou how faith wroth with his works, and by works was faith made perfect, complete, mature in the Lord. So your faith, God wants your faith to be perfect, where you perfectly trust the Lord. Because not to trust the Lord to be an unstable man is to be a double-minded man. Now where does it say in the Bible that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways? I know it's somewhere in the Bible. James chapter 1 and verse... Look there in James chapter 1 and verse 8. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So what would be the purpose of James? Making you stable or unstable? So the wisdom from God can complete this. The wisdom of God can make you stabilized. Because it makes you patient. You learn how to wait upon the Lord. People that so easily fly off the handle. Get mean quick like this, you know. And I've had a real problem with that. I mean, that's, those were my trademarks. And if anybody has to work on that, it's the preacher. And I've learned how, and God has had to teach me this, and it's been difficult to learn. I can't make some things happen. I've also found that I can't make everybody do what I want them to do. Have you ever tried making everybody do what they should do? Here I am as the pastor of Calvary Community Church. Can you see me making y'all do what you should do? It ain't going to happen, is it? Look at you shaking your head no. Would it be neat if y'all were just so sweet and submissive that it didn't matter? What if the preacher told you to do? Oh, yes, preacher, I sure will. Man, you, you ever seen a cat when he's scared? And whenever they get on you, they dig all four claws in. (laughs) That's the way some people are. Wouldn't it be neat if everybody was just so sweet and wonderful? No, We're not like that, are we? Not all the time. Maybe some people, none of the time. But there is a problem. And so God says here in James you say you believe on the Lord. Now, you're supposed to be growing in the Lord, maturing in the Lord. And as you mature in the Lord, you learn how to do the things you're supposed to do. God gave you a gift, a ministry. That ministry, there's nothing wrong with the ministry God's given us. It's not flawed. It came from God. An opportunity, pure as gold. But we have to fulfill that ministry with all the problems there are. And that's why it says that good and perfect gift came from God. The gift and the opportunity. Does all of God's children take advantage of their opportunities? And do they look at all of their problems as, you know, opportunities? Or do they curse them, despise them, and they cause them to have the anger and no. the fits and rage and all the rest of it. Now, if you are mature, and when you're growing in the Lord, and maturing in the Lord, one of the best signs of a mature Christian is look there in chapter 3 of James, and look in verse 2. You ought to underline this verse. For in many things we offend all. Duh. That's true, isn't it? If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, a mature man. This man is learning how to be complete as God's talking about. And is able to bridle the whole body. If you can learn how to control, look at me. If you can learn how to control this little gadget right there. That is hard to control. Wouldn't you agree? But doesn't it say the word perfect? Man, mature man, if we can learn how to control that right here. So when God's talking about be not conformed to this world because the world doesn't have to control it like we have to control it. We're talking about us and God. God wants us to grow in the Lord. Growing in the Lord is learning how to control through the power that He gave us. The lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. So that we're not conformed to the world. But we're slowly, little by little, week by week, being transformed. Our lives are being transformed. Where we're learning how to think better. We're learning how to talk better. We're learning how to control our temper. You know when the Bible talks about self-control, temperament? That's what he's talking about. And so remember this, you will either be learn self-discipline or imposed discipline. Where maturing in the Lord is where you learn how to control yourself. And if you don't, then God's going to have to impose discipline. That's where chastening comes from, when God has to do that. So this is given to us, the restraints, the power you need, to restrain yourself from saying something you shouldn't say, or the saying it the way you shouldn't say it, or doing things you should not do. So this is why he says down here in verse 13 of chapter 3, Who is a wise man, and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good behavior his works with meekness of what? Of wisdom. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your heart, glory, don't brag about it. You're not a godly individual because you're losing it and you're going to be unstable and it won't take much to tick you off. You're going to live right on the edge. Have you ever been around people that you have to be so careful that you're walking on eggshells because you don't know how they're going to respond? And you know if I do this, they're going to do this. If I do this, they'll do this. Some people think, find out what annoys your wife and do it. No. You find out in learning to read your husband and wives or people you work with and try not to do that. Because, you see, you don't try to put a stumbling block in somebody's way to purposely cause somebody to flare up because if there's anything about growing in wisdom is learning how to read the person even married to. You know what to do, what not to do. What to say, what not to say. But some people, they never learn and they just repeat the same thing over and over and over and over again. Aren't you glad it isn't you? Okay, we'll move right along here. But remember, he's talking about The things that we're supposed to say and do. This is why he says now in verse 14. But if you have bitterness and envy and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. Now get verse 15. This is so important. This wisdom descendeth not from where? That's the flesh. That's been conformed to the world. Is that what God wants you to do? And is that how God wants you to live? No. But he says, the wisdom that comes from above, this is when you are learning to mature in the Lord, where you can control the attitude, learning how to think. That you may be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Because the tongue speaks what's on the mind. You can't control the tongue. You have to control the mind. This is why he says in the book of Philippians chapter 4, think on these things and the God of peace will be with you. So there's a a way to think. Now look there in chapter 4 and verse 17. It's not the word perfect, but it does have with it something that we're supposed to consider. In verse 17, therefore to him that knoweth to do good. So we are talking to those who claim to know to do right. And we all know we're supposed to do right. That is not a sign of wisdom when you know what to do what would wisdom be? Doing it. To him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not. Well, to him it is what? Sin. And you know he has a couple of things to say about sin. So look there very quickly in James chapter 1, and notice what he says in verse 14. In verse 14, he makes this statement, But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth what? Sin. To him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. And sin, if you know what to do, and you won't do it. Are you obedient or rebellious? Are you obedient or disobedient? I'm not trying to get you to... Raise your hand. I'm just trying to get you to think for yourself, okay? I don't want five of you. Raise your hand. It's my wife. (laughs) No. Learn how to govern yourself. You'll have a big enough job right there alone. It's amazing how we always want to straighten out somebody else. I've had people say, boy, that was a great sermon. Boy, I knew who that was right. Oh, that was just perfect for. I just wish my husband had been here. It could have been for that person. I saw this one person, they kept, every time I say something, they duck down like this here. I said, What was you doing that for? So it hit that person behind me. That one's not for me. That one goes there. Sit there and dodge him back and forth. Are you maturing in the Lord? Are you stronger now than you were a year ago? Are you getting closer to the Lord? Are you still battling the same things all the time? And you're not getting victory over those things. Do you think God wants you to always be down and discouraged and easily upset and all that stuff? Or are you developing patience? Patience. I don't need any more patience. I got all the patience I want. I haven't heard about my Bible yet. I sure hope I get my Bible back. But you know what i got to do? Be patient. I can't make it happen. So should I fall apart in the meantime? And I'll be honest with you, that Bible means an awful lot to me. Awful lot to me. But you know, one thing I found out, I can't lose. I can't lose the Lord. I can't lose the Holy Spirit. I can't lose God. I can't lose eternal life. So whatever's the most important thing, I still got and if all I wind up with is just me and my little darling, ah, we're good to go. So, as you read these scriptures, it's supposed to help you. So, in chapter 4 of James, that verse 17, look at it again. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Look in verse 11. Verse 11 Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judgeth his brother speaketh evil of the law and judgeth the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. You set yourself up as the judge over what God says. I don't have to obey that. Why? Because she doesn't, or he doesn't. So I don't have to. When did you become the judge of what God says? No, there is a lawgiver and it's the Lord. You and I are just supposed to do what the judge said. I've had people tell me when I talk to them about the gospel and say, if you don't trust Christ as Savior, you're going to go to hell, they say, Who made you the judge? I says, I'm not a judge. I'm just telling you what the judge said. He wrote it down in his word. I do everything I can to keep people from getting mad at me. Get mad at God. He's the one who said this. I didn't say this. God said this. I get people who get mad at the preacher when I tell them something that they ought not do. I didn't write the Bible, but I'm not, am I supposed to tell you what this thing says or not? That's what I'm supposed to do. But should I only say, you know, there are preachers today that only say things that people want to hear. You take a guy like Joel Olsen. Smile. Everything is wonderful. And won't talk about sin and hell, but I believe that you, you need to. But we might get more people come out, but I... Rather, just tell it like it is and leave it alone. Look up here. This hand represents you and me. This wallet represents sin. We all have sin upon us. God says that He loves us. Now, He hates our sin. And to pay for sin is eternal separation from God. So, we've all sinned. We're all condemned. And God says He loves us. He hates our sin, but He loves us. He wants us to go to heaven. And heaven is a perfect place, and none of us are perfect. But God says... Sin can't come in. That's a holy place. That's a righteous place. No sin can enter in. So God says you cannot save yourself. You cannot earn eternal life. You can't better yourself. This sin represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord God in the flesh. He came into the world because He loves us. He hates our sin because our sin separates us from Him. So He took the sin, paid for it on the cross, and came back from the dead. And God said, if you and I, or whosoever will, believe that He did it for them. He would give eternal life to us, and we get to go to heaven on what He did. Eternal life is the gift of God, and this perfect gift came down from God above. It wasn't generated by us down here. It came from the Lord. And God will give that free gift to whosoever will believe that Christ paid for His sins. And if you'll believe it, God said He would save you and give eternal life. Let's pray, shall we? With every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around. If you're here tonight and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, why not right now in the quietness of this moment, just trust the Lord. Just like this morning. It was so wonderful seeing different ones raise their hand. And sometimes I'd say, God bless you, and there'd be three or four hands. And so there are probably between 10, 15, 20 people that trust the Lord this morning. We won't know until we get to heaven. A lot of people sometimes trust the Lord never raise their hand. You can do that too. You don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to let anybody know. But I'd like to know if you don't mind. So I ask people, if what I said made sense, would you let me know? By simply raising your hand with heads bowed and close, so that you're not embarrassed. And by doing so, God said He would save you, give you eternal life. And I'd like to have prayer for you in closing. Is there anyone at all, before we close, say, so preacher, that, that made sense to me, and I want to trust Christ right now as my Savior. Or if you're watching by internet, right there on the screen, you can reduce the screen back down to a smaller size, and it says, "Yes, I will trust Christ as my Savior." I pray that you will. Is there anyone at all before we close? Just slip in it very quick and put it right back down. Anyone at all? Our Father, we do thank you for your blessings. Thank you for loving us and saving us, giving us eternal life. And Father, also we thank you for the privilege we have to come before you, to thank you for this great opportunity that you've given us—a gift from above a gift of a ministry, and an opportunity to fulfill it. We pray that as we seek to do so, that we would walk with you and grow, become stronger, to mature. And help us, Lord, to apply these things that we've heard tonight to our own lives. Help us not to be judges in other people's lives, always trying to point out somebody else's fault. A godly person doesn't need to do that. We just try to help people to walk and help them up when they need they fall. So bless each one for being here. Thanks for giving us a good day. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.